Successful for Grampian listeners, it's Karina from Women of Africa Care. And today in the studio, we have our beautiful Women of Africa Care team. And we will be discussing the topic, My Purpose is Hidden in My Identity. Yes, Karina, an absolutely exciting topic. And why we need to talk about this? Because who we are, Myrtle, directs what we become. You're 100% right, Angelina. We mustn't hide our identity. Absolutely, Myrtle. This is such an interesting topic. I can't wait to get started. Hi, it's Tanya. Lovely to hear you again. Yes. So, Gospel for Grampian listeners, if you had listened to us last week, we used the analogy of the washing machine and the dishwasher. We said to you that a dishwasher cannot do the work of a washing machine and vice versa. There will be chaos in those machines. And likewise, if we don't know who we are, we don't know our identity, it, we will never do justice to the capabilities that God has put in us. Each one of us has got a capability and God wants to use his potential standard to uh, through us in order for us to fulfill a specific purpose in life. But if we don't know identity, it affects our potential and our place of influence, which is our purpose. Our purpose gives us influence and our purpose directs us in our place to influence. So using another analogy in terms of talking about my identity has purpose, I want to bring out two forms of species. I want to bring out a fauna and I want to bring out a flora to explain how in identifying the species we can quickly capture their purpose and their capabilities. So let's talk about a dog. How many of us have heard about Nadine? It's a dog's life, right? It's a dog's life. So some people will look at a dog and go, oh, that it's so lacquer to be a dog. You just laze around the whole day when you're hungry, bark, bark, bark. That is a dog's life. But let's, let's identify what is a dog and how when we talk about a dog, be able to see what purpose it serves. So I went into hearts.com and this is how the, a dog's purpose is hidden in its identity. When you think of a dog, you think of a pet, a guard dog, a guide dog, a sniffer for forensics. So let's hear what they say about dogs here in hearts.com. While the American Kennel Club identifies breeds such as Chinook, Rottweiler, St. Bernard, as working dogs, it's true that all dogs work, whether they're in the field or on your lap or your guarding home. Canine psychologists agree that dogs are bred to do something that will expend their physical and mental energy and use the special skills of their breed. According to canine behaviorist Deb Duncan, dogs worked to survive before they were domesticated. They form packs with a mission of protecting each other and their territory. Today, we've come to a working agreement with our pets about just how to help each other. Okay, so dogs are used in groups like they work, they do herding, sporting, non-sporting. You use uh, herd dogs to herd your cattle. So dogs have a lot of purpose. They've got a capability. And when you can identify that capability, you identify that that is what a dog is meant to do. Let's now look at a flora, a sunflower. Sunflowers is the only flower which moves with the sun 
throughout the day. The flower always faces the sun. There is a very peculiar thing about this flower. These flowers open at sunrise and close at sunset. The appearance of the well-grown flower resembles the bright sun. The petals are placed in a way which resembles the sun rays. Did you know that about flowers? Oh. It's actually a plant depicting the sun. Amazing. You know, I used to always wonder when I used to go to the wind farms, as we passed Kroondal Myrtle, I would see if I were driving in the day, the sunflower is brightened up. But if it's cloudy or we're driving in the night and you can see the sunflowers, they droopy and down. And literally the sun has an influence on the sunflower's agility and strength because it's alive and it's active when the sun is around and it moves towards the sun. But when the sun's not around, it's droopy and down and less active. So that, that's just a fun fact on the sunflower. But let's actually talk about when you hear the name sunflower, what do you think? Some say sunflowers make people happy. So it is a happiness uh, uh, flower because when you bless someone with sunflowers, they're happy. So sunflowers bring happiness to people. Sunflowers are good for health. They produce sunflower oil so that we can use it for, for consumption for the body. They're sunflower seeds that are healthy for the body, healthy for the animals. And did you know that sunflowers growing in a field or garden actually is good for farming because it protects the field and the garden. It protects the field and the garden, more so sunflowers absorb the dangerous chemicals in the soil. So, sunflowers have purpose. They're not just a happy bunch of flowers, but they help in pollination. They're good for the body, and they are good to keep the bad things away from the soil. So when you identify with a sunflower, you know the purpose of it is to for good and not evil. Now, just like we have described, the purpose of a dog and a sunflower is attached. The purpose is attached, is defined in its name. Let's talk about how our purpose is defined in our identity. Because last week we said that our identity has purpose, but if we don't know identity, we won't know our purpose. But how many people when you describe their name, you know their purpose. Like when I describe a sunflower, you can tell me everything about the sunflower. It is for good and not evil. When I talk about a dog, you can tell me everything about a dog and you realize it's not a dog's life where the dog is lazy. The dog it generates uh, 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 its, uh, uh, its best uh, purpose, its capabilities when it's energized. When you get a dog energized, you begin to see the sporting. You begin to see the guard dog. You begin to see the the, the herding dog. You begin to see the forensic dog that sniffs because you're keeping it energized. If I understand that that is a dog, I will feed its purpose because I can identify now that the dog's potential is guard dog. The dog's potential is herd dog. The dog's potential is a sniffer. Now that I can identify 
the dog with its purpose, I know what to use the dog for. No human being can be maximized in terms of fulfilling their purpose if they or other people cannot identify their purpose through their name. Just like the sunflower and the dog. So let's talk about it today. What are some of the elements or influences that propel us to our purpose by identifying our purpose through who we are? So let's start with, with Karina. Karina, how does your biological anatomy propels you into your purpose? Just like the dog, the biological anatomy, the way it is built, it can be a herd dog. It, it can be a guard dog. And it can be a pet. But the key here is that somebody needs to help identify this is how the dog is built. This is how I need to influence the dog in order to get the guard dog out of it, to get the pet out of it, and to get the uh, herding uh, skill out of it. How does your biological anatomy, what do we need to do to influence in your biological anatomy, or what do you need to do in your biological anatomy to influence the purpose in you so that I working for women of Africa can, can draw out of you your maximum capabilities by just looking at you? Well, Angelina, the first thing that I would suggest is you need to acknowledge who you are. For an example, I am a woman. I acknowledge I'm a human being. I'm a female, has my physical form from birth, conforms my biology, anatomy. And gospel for Grampian listeners, you might think that appearance, gender, personality has no relevance to your purpose in life. Let's look at some important people whose purpose was provoked by their identity. Esther's beauty won her queenship. God uses Esther's beauty, intelligence, and her respectful attitude toward her husband, dressing up in royal attire when going to see him, and her boldness to risk her life for the Jewish nation. Vashti, on the other hand, lost her position for a few good reasons, dishonoring her husband by not appearing. The other ladies who also contested for the queenship procession all took what they liked in the royal dress-up, whereas Esther took what was suggested. She had the wisdom. Even her approach to the king, when, when he told her, I will give you half the kingdom, she did not seek out position wealth or prominency when he offered it to her. She sought out to deliver the Jewish nation from annihilation. When the Bible describes Esther, they describe her as beautiful and modest. She put on her royal robe. So the first thing you need to do is acknowledge you, who you are. If you're a woman, then you're a woman. You need to acknowledge that though. And you know, in Psalms 139, verse 15 to 16, it says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully owed in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So this is so beautiful because God has framed us. God has shaped us to be this person that we are. And we need to acknowledge who he has created us to be before we understand what our purpose is. So so what I'm hearing here, uh, Gospel for Grampian listeners from Karina, is that her appearance matters 
when it comes to her purpose. Because when we look at, at, at Esther, the king saw her as beautiful. So beauty matters, okay? A beautiful king has influence because the Bible says that she had found favor with the eunuchs as well as all the people. And then what I liked about it is she knew that she's queen. Yes. And as queen, not just being a woman, as queen, if she's going to approach her king, she had to dress up in a royal robe. Her appearance in terms of dress up was relevant to her approaching her king. Had she approached him with jeans and tackies, would she be in trouble, Nadine? Yes. He probably thought she was one of the gods or one of the people from the outside gates coming in to, to come and usurp the throne. Because there's royal protocol. Yes. Your respect is earned by your appearance. In the royal family, how you dress matters. How you dress matters. How you walk matters. I mean, what was interesting was Tanya and I had this discussion yesterday, and she was talking about heels. And I said, I said, Tanya, you know, when I dress down, meaning, Nadine, if I don't wear heels, I dress, I walk different. When I wear flats, I walk different. When I wear heels, I walk more, I walk more girly. I walk more profound. I walk more confident. I feel better. I feel good. And I want to dress up on top as well because the heels make me feel so good and so formal and so beautiful compared to when I dress down and wear sandals. Yes, Angelina, it was it was totally refreshing. It is absolutely amazing that when you wear your heels versus no heels, uh, what comes out of you as a person? And, and it brings out that boldness and that confidence. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking now, imagine if she went, if Esther went to the king middle with uh, tackies and jeans, there will be no confident walk. There will be no boldness to... I'm coming unannounced. I'm going to be in trouble. Hey, baby. They're not even going to know that you're the queen. Everybody's going to say, oh, my gosh, there's someone from outside the city coming into, into the royal palace. Get them out. Get them out. They're coming for the king. And only to find out, oh, my gosh, that's the queen. They lost respect one. They're embarrassed that they touched the queen. And the king's never going to see her as a queen anymore. She's just lost her, her royal position because she misrepresented her appearance, because her identity is in her appearance. Yes, absolutely. But even, even now, currently, if you look at queens and princes and pr princesses, they also have a standard of dressing. They wouldn't dress up in a way that is, um, you know, incorrect to the protocol that is set as royalty. They dress up with bringing out the beauty formal attire you know the the hats and very good looking they, they are appeasing to look at and the people love that yes because they're always in the limelight so they have yes. to bring up the standard so that they can see where they're coming from absolutely absolutely because in order for the royal family to be preserved and the heritage of the family uh, royal family to continue you have to maintain the boundaries of royal protocol because if you don't, then you become a commoner and then you're no longer uh, royal. So if you call into a specific purpose, then if you don't manage the protocol of how your appearance affects your purpose, 
you will become a commoner, indifferent to everybody else in the world. They will never pick up what is your purpose. They will never be able to identify that you're actually a dog and this is your abilities. They will pick you up as, I don't know what you are. You're probably a cat today. You're probably a dog tomorrow. You're probably a, 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 a fish on the next day. Because there's no boundaries, there's inconsistencies, you're a chameleon, you, you change every day. They will never be able to draw out your purpose. And therefore, you become a jack of all trades and not a master of none. Because think about it, right? The people God put in our lives, and you're going to be talking about that, your support system. Your support system is supposed to bring out your purpose through who they know you, through your identity. But if you are a chameleon, they will never know what to draw out at you. Because they'll be confused with who you are. Yes. So it's important for you yourself, like Karina is saying, to know your identity. I love what you talk about. Um, you, you, you've got this um, famous word that you say about you cannot, what's that famous word that you use, that phrase you use about lambs and chickens? Uh, How do you, you know, say if you're in a royal family and you're, say, for instance, you're an elderly woman, mutton can't dress like lamb. You must be an example to the people out there that's looking at you. For, for an example, Lady Diana was a perfect example from, for dressing up. And even the, the, the royal mother, she was also, she was absolutely always on top. She used to dress so nicely with a hat on and she always looked neat at her age. She was a beautiful woman with a beautiful personality. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on that, Karina? I mean, you, 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 you've got a purpose. How do you define your purpose in the way you dress? And yeah. Um, so my physical qualities influence my purpose. I desire to establish safe homes to nurture and raise up orphans. If I dress in a sexually provocative way, as an example, the chances are that Sex offenders might perceive the safe homes is a sex trafficking outlet. And, you know, they, they would perceive it if I dress in a provocative way. People out there are going to think, is, is she going to traffic the children? It's not a good way. And it's also not a good way if you have children among you to dress because they're going to think it's okay that you can dress this way. And there are people out there that will use that and maybe attack the children. So it puts their life in da danger. It puts your um, your reputation. reputation at risk as well. So to create a safe, nurturing environment for the orphans, you need to dress well. You need to speak well. Like you said, Myrtle, you know, the queen had a standard. And when I want to have an orphanage, I need to have a standard mm. that will take the, this generation, the future generation, to a standard that is not the world standard, but a godly standard. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking about, um, about Esther, right? She was amongst the girls. And the minute she had to go to the king to present the petition to save the Jewish nation, the Bible says she put on her royal robe. So what we say in Gospel for Grampian listeners, if God has called you into a royal family as an example, you put on your royal robe when you need to get into places of influence. But when you're in the parlor amongst the ladies, you can dress down a bit. 
but you have to be modest. You have to be dignified. Your dignity 24-7 must be there. But Angelina, can I tell you something? We all in the world are royal. That's true. Both we, the daughters of the Malzai King. So you have to dress up so that they can see God in you. Absolutely, absolutely. So what we're saying is that your identity will define your dress code, but your dress code must be able to highlight that you are of a good standard. You are of a good heritage. You are of a good family. You are of a good culture. Not like Karina says, provocative. If you want to open a safe home to nurture and, and help orphanage, uh, orphan children, you can't dress up like a, a prostitution uh, uh, advocate or a, um, a human trafficking uh, agent outlet and think now people are going to think that's a safe home. They're going to be concerned because you look like you're a candidate to be raped. Imagine everybody else that is under your care. Do you, do you understand? So we got to have protocol for our purpose, okay? I will never be able to draw out a safe home vision if Karina dressed out in that way that she described. If she had to dress out advocating that she's part of a sex trafficking environment and we're a company that does a lot of community development work, I will never be able to support her philanthropy work, I mean her work through philanthropy because why? Because the representation of her represents her company. How she looks, how she dresses, how she speaks tell me a lot about the vision of her business. And I would never see the safe home. I'll see this as a business risk. This is a safety risk. So how we dress has an impact on how people will uh, see how to help us in our place of purpose. So I have another question, Karina. We're talking about anatomy, and you spoke about physical appearance. Does gender gender matter when it comes to your purpose? Yes, gender does matter because it it's who God created you to be. And another reason why it does matter in terms of your purpose and where you're going is because if you're created to be a female, as an example, and God has given you a vision to go in that particular way, like we gave the example of Queen Esther. And if you want to be something else, then it's very difficult for for you to be who God wants you to be. You'll be something else that you're not called to be. So I like to give an example is... I like to give the example of Mary, right? So Mary had a purpose. God created her with a purpose. And if Mary chose to transgender, she would have never fulfilled the purpose of Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus. How true is that? So for our Gospel for Grampian listeners there, we are hearing today with an absolutely clear example from Karina that your gender matters. Your gender matters. A he dog cannot multiply and produce uh, babies. Only a female dog can do that. Similarly, the Virgin Mary would never have been able to fulfill the purpose of cre- uh, of birthing the living God into the flesh had she become a transgender. Yes. Esther had the potential. Another example is Esther had the potential to be a queen and David had the potential to be a king. Their outward experience is described and so we associate both these people to be physically attractive in addition, strength, dignity, and royalty. Esther was born a female, 
at the same at the time of age she was given beauty treatments and that we can uh, read in Esther 2:12 where it explains how long that beauty treatments were and what the preparations T- tell were. us the scripture yes yeah, so Esther 2:12 says each young woman's turn came to go into king azarias after she had completed 12 months preparation according to the regulations for the woman for thus were the days of their preparation a portion 6 months with oil of myrrh and 6 months with with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women so yes appearance does matter i mean taking one whole year just to prepare to go see the king can you believe so your identity must be nurtured that's what exactly. you're telling me yes. you don't nurture your identity your support system which Nadine's going to talk about just now will mislead you because you you don't even know who you are david's ma- malehood a manhood describes 1 samuel 16 1 samuel verse 11 chapter 16 verse 11 to 12 and samuel asked him are these all the sons you have they is still the youngest jesse replied but he is tending the sheep Send for him Samuel replied for we will not sit down to eat until he arrives so Jesse sent for his youngest son and brought him in he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance and the lord said rise and anoint him for he is the one when we allow god's holy spirit to groom us we go through beauty treatments training like david man who trained treatments in order for our purpose as queen esther or king david to come forth if we neglect our identity defining process we will not fulfill our defined purpose because our purpose is hidden in our identity what people see outwardly they associate us to like you said if you saw me dressing provocatively you wouldn't support the orphanage because i'm showing something different compared to what we want to do to be queen if god has called me to be a queen and i choose to neglect my beauty treatment and behave like a shepherd boy then my support system will bring out the shepherd boy and not the queen how i outwardly express myself has an impact on how my support system support my goals another example i would give is if you take an apple seed an apple seed has the potential of being an apple it has the potential to taste like an apple it has the potential to look like an apple but it needs a good environment to be the apple a good apple and it and, and a, an apple has a potential to be a tree and a orchard yes but if nobody feeds the apple its identity it can never come into a tree and an orchard it will exactly. i don't know what it would be it will become a malnourished dead apple it cannot become anything else unless you go and genetically modify it because that's what's happening in the world yes angelina i'm reminded of um five uh, sorry matthew 5 verse 13 to 16 you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its flavor how shall it be seasoned it is then good for nothing but to be thrown and trampled under foot by men you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket 
but the but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glory your Father in heaven. Wow, that yes. is absolutely powerful. Yes, I am. Um, while I was in prayer this morning, I had this little light of mine. Shine, which goes with what Nadine was saying there now. Absolutely. The reason David and Esther's light shined is because they knew who they were and it came forth. And I just love the scripture, uh, um, Nadine, and I'm thinking about what Karina said now, right? Exactly. David and Esther would not have been able to be in, on the hill. They say a city, uh, a, a city that is on a hill cannot be hidden. They couldn't be hidden because they nurtured their identity and it influenced their purpose, and it brought them on the hill. So we cannot be on the hill if we don't feed ourselves in terms of who we are. So having said that, that, that um, Nadine, you say, yeah, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We know that like God did with David and like God did with with our beautiful Esther, he brought a support system to nurture them. Samuel, that reminded him who he is. He's not a shepherd boy. He's a king. God used the eunuch and the royal palace to beautify uh, Esther, as well as her uncle Mordecai, to remind her in the palace, you're not just pretty face, but you are there as a political influence to change the heart of the king to save the Jewish nation. So tell us, how does our support system propel us into our place of purpose so that we can be the city that's on the hill and not hidden? If I can read to you um, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14 to 18, um, that will just give some direction. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? And what, sorry, and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out among, sorry, come out among them and separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be a son, and sorry, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So when when you read that, you see that who you are around makes a very big influence on you know your your destiny, your purpose. If Esther didn't have people around her who knew what needed to be done, they knew she's been prepped for a queen. If they did not know that, they wouldn't have been able to beautify her and support her through that year that she had to go through in order to become queen or presented as queen. 
the same for all of us. Who we are around, my husband will tell me, Nadine, this is not you. What are you doing? But they're very quick with that, you know. And the same, we do the same for our family. We will say, what is wrong? You know, we can see something's not right because we know who they are. And they know who they are. If they don't know who they are, we won't know who they are. Yeah. That's we can true. pick up you are but but you always do this, but you always do that. You know, if they do everything, like you said, a chameleon, yeah. you will not be able to support someone in helping them move forward. Because they're confused. Exactly. And then you're confused because why are you moaning now that this is how you are when meanwhile but you also like that and you like that and everybody's just confused. There's no help. There is no support, really. You're good at everything or good at a few things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, the support system is there to help you to say, but this is not who you are. Let me show you. You know, sometimes we all stray a little bit and need some guidance in in having motivation when we have our downtimes. And someone someone might recognize your talents, and because of because they know who you actually are. They will be able to tell you, yes, harness this because this is your passion. If you are um, in a state of confusion, every once so often it does happen, um, they can direct you nicely and say, this is who you are, this is how you should go. But when you are confused, it can do quite the opposite. You know, you can follow the wrong path. So, yes, hang around people that are equally yoked so that with your, um, I don't want to say vision, um, so that your values are aligned. Because when you are equally yoked, your values are aligned. And when you have good values and you hang around good company, obviously we rub off on each other. And there, um, where the good support is, good things will come. Yes, and and also um, your support system is necessary. Jesus needed the disciples for his mission to be accomplished. And he says, follow me. And so they had to follow a specific protocol in a specific pattern. So it's important for us to understand that our support structures propel us into our destiny. And we need to value our support structures. And um, we, like you're saying, um, we we cannot, I mean, I'm thinking about myself, Nadine. If I know that I can add value in someone and they don't appreciate me, I I walk away because it's like you're irritating me, you're wasting my time, I'm here for good and not evil. So a person needs to know a divine connection. God brings divine connections into our lives as support systems to help us. I want to go back into what Karina was talking about, David, and I want us to just, you know, let's, let's interact on the matter about David, right? Let's talk about David. David looked different. To his destiny. Yes. David was a shepherd boy. He looked like a shepherd boy. Yes, he was good looking, Karina. Yes, he had ruddy hair and nice skin and that. But he was a shepherd boy. The boys that looked that they qualified to work in the palace as a, a security, etc., was the bigger brothers. That is why when Samuel went there, he judged by appearance. He didn't judge by what was in them. And so God said, no, you look at appearance, but I look at the heart of man. 
And so then when he went in there, he said, is there somebody else? And they said, oh, there's just somebody out there, my other child that's in the in the field. But they never even thought that child would qualify because there's nothing physically that he looked like that would qualify him for king. So that day when 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 uh, when Samuel came there, he was a divine connection to tell him, you are the next king. That was one, the support system. Then David, uh, his dad tells him, Go and give your brothers food at the army where they are going against Goliath. Mm -hmm. So David goes there as a catering assistant. He's not going there as a shepherd boy. He's not going there as an army bearer. He's not going there as a king, even though he was ordained as a king. Even though he knew he was a king and the entire family knew that he was ordained to be a king, his father didn't send there on a king errand. His father sent him there to as a catering assistant, as a delivery boy to go deliver food. He was Mr. Delivery, delivering food. But when he went to, to go there, he wasn't defined by the task. He wasn't defined by what his brother said. His brother said, what are you doing here? Because they remembered now he was ordained as king. They were insecure, but they still challenged, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. And what happened? He didn't allow what people thought about him to impact him. It was his brothers who were not equally yoked because they didn't have a relationship with, the father, with God. His father was not equally yoked because the father didn't see the king in him, right? It was the divine connection, which was our wonderful, it was the divine connection of Samuel that, that reminded him who he is. But even David himself didn't go there with a king cap on. He went there with a cap on of, this is God's people, how dare you come devour them. And he went with that mindset and said, the God that look after the sheep in the field through me is the God that's going to deliver the army of Israel out of the hands of the Philistine. Mm -hmm. So who he was in God, which Myrtle will tap on later, helped him to rise up with the potential that God put in him to fight the giant. But then again, we say, your support system you need to know who you are because your support system is your family and not necessarily will your family be equally yoked. Your family can be unequally yoked because they don't know God or they're a weaker Christian or they're too familiar with your habits, like you're saying, that they're confused and they're uncertain of who you are. Because even David himself probably didn't, couldn't, couldn't connect. Hey, listen, yeah, I'm king, but I'm a shepherd boy. Now I'm a Mr. Delivery boy. And then look what happened. Even, what's his name? Saul didn't see the king initially. Saul saw the captain of the army. If he didn't have the divine connection that anointed him in, in his house that day, when, this is important, Karina, when he got promoted to army captain, nothing stopped David of saying, I will always and only be an army captain because that's what I'm good at. He didn't stop there. He didn't stop at what the king promoted him to be. He remembered what God said. I am going to be the king of Israel. So even though I'm an army captain now, I'm in the process of being developed to kingship. 
Do you understand? So don't allow your process to affect your destiny. Allow who God says you are and a divine connection who brings it out to make you and motivate you to your end outcome. Because the process is not your end outcome. If you believe the process to be your end outcome, then all you will be is the captain of the army and never the king. Do you understand? I mean, I'm thinking about what we spoke about last week, Nadine. We said that um, to you need to know who you are. And when you know who you are, it will impact what God has called you to do in life. And, and it is important for us to have that relationship with the Lord so that we will never allow people's opinions that don't know God to influence us. Because I'm thinking about the disciples. All the disciples allowed the masses' opinions to tell them who Jesus is. The four disciples or the disciples that were around him when he asked, who do you say I am? All of them said, but some say this, but some say that. They, I wouldn't say what other people said if I wasn't convinced of what other people said. I'll tell you what I think. But the fact that these disciples said you're Jeremiah, John, the they probably thought that too. Therefore, they said it. It was only Peter who said, but you are the son of the living God. You have to know your support system, Nadine, that says that you are of God. If you don't have a divine connection in your life, then your own family can take you away from the will of God. Your skill set can take you away from the will of God because you limit yourself by the time of your success in that moment of the process development. He was in a development process. The captain of the army was his development process. Had he not had that anointed experience that day, when he got promoted to the captain of the army, he will tie it, oh Lord, when I was in the sheep pen, you were actually developing me to be the captain of an army now that I could look after the sheep. Not thinking, no, 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 you're actually king. If I want you to protect the nation of Israel as king, you need to have a heart after them. Can you fight for them, David? That was why he was going through the process of development. Can you fight for the people? Because if, you, if you're a king and you sit pretty and lazy there, you're not going to fight for the people. Let me see your heart. Will you go in the front and die for them? Then I know you will have a heart when you are king. Why do you see so much corrupt government leaders? Because they have a heart for themselves. Unless you're in the front line standing up for your people, you don't deserve to be the king of that nation. And so his process of development was God pruning him to have a heart for the people under him. So it's important to not allow people who are supposed to be in your life misrepresent your identity. Angelina, I think it's very important what you are saying right now. To identify your support system is crucial because if you don't know who your actual support system is, you will then take advice from the wrong people. But if you know who, you, who your support system is, you will then be able to take good advice from the correct people and don't be too proud or stubborn 
to take that advice because that advice will then take you to the next level. Just like like Esther, she she didn't wear what she wanted. She wore what was advised. So it is very important to be wise in your decision-making when taking advice and knowing who you're taking it from. So to conclude the part about how does your support system propel you into your purpose based on who they see you, we realize that having the right support system is important. And that doesn't mean that they're your biological family, they have your interest at heart. You need spirit-filled people that see and have a relationship with the Lord to be able to see and call forth your destiny. Because And also, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will will yes. enter the kingdom of heaven. So we've got to know that not everybody who says yes and amen are people that are allowed to speak into our life because you have a lot of false Christians, right? So we are going to come into that part. Well, actually, let's talk about that uh, part, Myrtle. Now that we're talking about having the right people in our lives to bring forth our purpose through seeing our identity. The question I have for you is, is a relationship with the Lord relevant in propelling you into your purpose? Definitely, Angelina. If you haven't got a personal relationship with God, you will never make it in life. You will never. Because there is your support system, is God. If you've got any problems, you go on your knees and you ask your God. Um, I want to read Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, as you can see, our identity is in Christ. He made us so unique for a purpose. If you haven't got purpose in life, you haven't got a vision, then you can't go anywhere, Angelina. A beautiful, bodily woman knows who she is in Christ. Or she knows God, God made her fearfully and wonderfully. He's our creator. So more than that, if you haven't got God in your life, you can't go anywhere. And you must lead to example. The way you dress already says, I can speak on this topic for a week. The way that you dress, the way you do your hair, the way you present yourself already says who you are in Christ. Because if you dress in a way that God will acknowledge you for that. Then you haven't got a problem. Everybody will see you as an Esther. Or an Abigail or a Deborah. But the, the key here is you're saying you've got to dress modestly because we are of a eternal family and we are of God. And God doesn't uh, support nakedness. You know, I'm actually thinking, sorry, this is something that we we talking about how does your relationship with the Lord affect your identity and influence your purpose. You know, I'm thinking, Nadine, before man had sinned, nakedness was not seen as perverted. Therefore, people were naked, just like animals are naked. Animals are not clothed. Their skin is their skin. Hair is their skin. We've got skin. 
But the minute they became aware of sin, what did God do? He covered them. Mm. He covered their nakedness because you knew in a sinful state, your nakedness is shameful, it's disgraceful, and it has got no dignity. So dressing tells a lot about our identity and our relationship with God, You like you say. And then um, also, in your relationship with God, he also wants you to look good. You can't overeat and then think you, you're going to look healthy. That's not going to make you look nice. If you eat right, your mind is right. And then you've got the right mindset to dress right. And like you said earlier, if you put heels on, you look so like feminine. Feminine, yes. Yes. And um, so if you dress the way that God wants you to dress, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It, it gives me a mindset of God is there for me. He can help me. If I've got a problem, go to God. Like Esther did when she helped the Israelites to, uh, to, to get into their destiny. Yes. She, what um, was the first thing she did? She's in a royal family. She's got authority as a queen. But what did she do? She went and she said to them, Everybody, let's join a fast. I will fast with the ladies in the parlor. And after three days, I will approach the king. She went straight to the creator who appointed her there. Who appointed her there. So I want to touch more on the spiritual component, right? So you're highlighting that God... Being having a relationship with the Lord teaches us how to live modest, look modest. But let's talk about our purpose. God is spirit. And when we become born again, our spirit is connected to God's God's spirit. spirit. And the necessity of being connected to our true self is in the born again experience. Because the minute you're born again, you are one with God. Therefore, Everything he created you to be, you become. That's what the relationship with the maker is so pertinent. Our identity and our purpose is, 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 what do you call it? Is, is brought together by our, by us connecting with God. And how are some of the ways that we connect to God on a daily basis? The Holy Spirit will convict you. If you do something wrong, the Holy Spirit is always there to correct you. So so for people that are listening to us that don't have a relationship with the Lord, how do we develop a relationship with God after we become born again? What do you do daily as a pattern in growing that relationship with the Lord? Pray is one of the key points when you uh, serve the Lord, and in the Word. Read the Word daily so that you can get knowledge of what God expects from you in His Word. And and what He and who He is. Who, who He is. Because He is your Creator, and He's like a friend to you. You go to Him like a father, and you speak to Him daily, as if you speak to a friend. He said, be still and know that I'm God. I will fight your battles for you. What more do you want if you can rely and trust in a God 
that can do anything for you. God will never leave you and he will never forsake you. If you go to him, he's always there for you. Your purpose must be defined in God. Your purpose must be defined in, in God. God. I love that. You will miss your destiny if you haven't got a relationship with God. I love what you're saying. You will miss your destiny if you haven't got a relationship with God. And this then ties back to Esther. When she was in the uh, in the palace and she got comfortable being a queen and forgot that she's there for political influence, Mordecai sent a message and said, if you don't rise up and do something, God will send someone else raised up to do that, to be that political influence, and you and your household will perish. Your heritage will perish. Your lineage will perish. So I love what you're saying that if we don't have a relationship with the living God, we miss our destiny and we will perish. We will perish. So what we're hearing from this statement, Gospel for Grandpin listeners, is that in order for us to fulfill our purpose, we need to have a relationship with the living God because we draw our purpose from that. That is why Esther didn't say straight, I'm going to go and contact a group of consultants to find out how I'm going to politically influence the king to uh, to save the Jewish people. She went straight to her creator because she knows that he has the solution for the matter at hand. She understands that he put her in the palace and he's going to help her how to uh, bring solutions there. A relationship absent from the Father, she will never know that we need to fast and pray. Exactly, right? Angelina. Throw all your anxiety onto God because He cares about you. So instead of uh, getting anxiety, she went to God and she asked God for help instead of going into the natural and think, what am I going to do? Because the king's going to find out I'm actually not a from, uh, from, from, a, from a queenly uh, heritage. I'm actually a Jewish girl that's in the uh, line to be killed shortly. And now it's treason because I misrepresented myself. I'm going to be dead. She had no anxiety because she, she knew not. her identity in the palace is for a purpose. The reason she's called Esther there is for a purpose, not Hadassah. Hadassah will come out later when she d fulfills her, uh, her mission. But now she's Esther there for a purpose to save the Jewish nation. So if you don't know your identity, love how Nadine says, if you wing it and get into the palace and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you will perish. Because when you are in the heat of the battle, who do you call on? And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord in an environment where the ladies that serve you are not godly, you are going to follow a heathen pattern and you will perish. So your purpose is, is aligned to your relationship with the living God because you always throughout your purpose have challenges. And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you're in trouble. So very quickly, Tanya, how does your values and beliefs influence your purpose? How does it propel you into your purpose? Yes, Angelina. Um, I would like to say Proverbs 13, 20 says that he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools to surround yourself with good company, these people will support and encourage you on your path towards your destiny. The companion of fools will suffer harm. 
if we're not careful in the people, if your closest companions are not fearing God, walking with God, glorifying God, then that will not lead to good in our lives. So, so those kind of bad um, value systems direct our 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 way of thinking, our way of speaking, our way of doing things, and so values and beliefs are a foundation, or should I say, a framework that governs our decisions and our path. Right. Think about it. If you've got wrong values, wrong influence, wrong belief system, you're not going to follow the path that God has called you to. You're yes. not. If uh, if David didn't have a relationship with the Lord, the, the opinions and the views of his brothers and his father will take him straight out of the will of God and all he would have remained was a shepherd boy. Or when he did uh, fight the king and he then became... I mean, he did fight Goliath, and then he he then became the army captain. If he didn't sustain his relationship with the Lord, then the ways of the royal palace would have misled him. Because remember, he married um, Saul's daughter, and they were idol worshippers. If he didn't have a relationship with the Lord, she would have influenced him. He danced for the Lord, and she mocked him. Her her womb was was barren. Her womb was cursed. Because she mocked David for worshipping the Lord in public. Because apparently it is dishonorable for a king to worship God in public. He, 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 she said you were naked running around for the Lord. But he was worshipping the Lord and having you know, time with the Lord. He wasn't physically naked all around. But he was, he was honoring God publicly. And she saw that as embarrassing and disreputable and not honorable. And she got cursed. So... Even in our own closest families, our cultures and values are defined by close families. And we have to have that relationship with the Lord like Myrtle talks about so that we define our value systems in accordance with the word of God and the principles of God's word. Because we're learning as we go along that even in our own home, we will have uh, uh, um, conflicting values, conflicting beliefs. And if we don't set the values in accordance with the word of God, we're in trouble. So I'm, we're going to talk more on what I am next week as we continue the series of our identity and who we are in God impacts our purpose in life. So a lot was said today. And because of time, we will continue next week, Gospel for Grampian listeners, um, in terms of what I am. Now that I know who I am in Christ and I know that I'm designed for purpose, let's talk about what I am. If I'm a sunflower, I need to add value. If I'm a dog, I need to add value. So from us to you, goodbye. Bye. Bye.